Pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Chicago Bulls 121 to 108. A fairly convincing win, one that came against like the Bulls are not the best version of themselves right now. And we should hope that the Raptors aren't the best version of themselves yet. Hopefully one of these teams ascending and it seems like the other team descending and the Raptors led by a bunch of really, really good performances like across the board. They had important depth in this game. They had a lot of really great performances from the starting lineup. They got more points from guys who aren't Scotty or Pascal than they usually do. And they win 121 to 108. And an interesting thing here, too, is that another game where the Raptors half-court offense, I think they finished at 107 points per 100 possessions. It's well above average. I think that half-court offensive game was almost as good as the one Indiana just had against the Raptors where they were scoring a bunch. When the game slowed down, the Raptors found a lot of baskets. And, of course, there was that, like, four-minute stretch through the middle of the fourth quarter where things didn't really break right for the Raptors. They missed, what, seven threes in a row because they were still collapsing the defense. The Bulls are still playing. They're overloading on the Raptors' guys, and chiefly among them, Pascal Siakam. And that, that's where I guess I'll start the game off is that the Raptors started, came out to this really big lead. Part of it is that OG's hitting a lot of shots. Part of it is that Gary has a lot of shots. I think Gary had four buckets in the first quarter, three triples. And while he ended up going, like he started three of three from downtown, he finished four of nine. Uh, I think we see a game where Gary really helps the Raptors kind of when teams are going to overload on Siakam. We saw this happen with the Pacers, right? The Pacers are doubling Siakam all the time. The ball is leaving the post against these doubles. There's an advantage somewhere. Depending on how the team zones these actions up, depending on how they rotate, they might make it so that the advantage is in the opposite corner and the Raptors have to get the ball there. Depending on how they rotate, the advantage might be one pass away. Um, we've seen a lot of possessions this year where Siakam and Schroeder are stacked on the same side teams are eager to let Schroeder like take that shot where Pascal passes out especially when Pascal is on the left block right and we got a lot of like that side top side stuff where the Raptors the ball comes out they start swinging around find advantage for OG even the one time right it's not just a jumper but it's a pump go down the Bulls had rotated they thought they were rotating to defend a jumper they thought that you know the possession is over they're going to try and rebound but you know, OG puts his head down from the corner, gets a little lay down to Jakob in the middle. We also see, man, we see both Scotty and Pascal running these pick and rolls with Jakob, which has gotten better over time. They're finding the, the pacing a lot better in this game. We see that the Bulls are bringing a lot of attention to the ball. They're playing Vucevic up at the level, and they're also really sloppy on the back end of their defense, they're not really getting there in time for a tag. If they are there for a tag, they're not even really bumping Jakob off his line. He's just kind of breezing past them, right? And then also, if they're not tagging, that rotation from the corner isn't coming. And so you get a bunch of these freebies in the half court that the Raptors are just annihilating them going down towards the, the bucket. And then you have like a bunch of three-pointers being made. That's how the game starts out. Uh, the Bulls, how they wanted to approach this thing defensively was a little confusing, to be quite honest with you. And 
the the field goal attempts for both Pascal and Scotty were quite low to start this game. I think they had attempted what like three and four shots in the in the first half. They both finish at twelve and eleven. Uh, not a ton of possessions because that's that's what the Bulls are trying to do. The Bulls, for all intents and purposes, were like, we're gonna see what it looks like when we overload, and you guys have to put the ball into the hands of Jakob in motion, OG behind the three point line, Gary Trent Jr. behind the three point line. OG, man, he pops off in this game like crazy. 10 of 14 from the field, 26 points. Um, tremendous defense all night, of course. And uh, Gary Trent Jr., 4 of 9. He takes 13 shots, but that's where the ball was going. He made enough of them. That's this is this is what the game of basketball is about, right? Like there are some moments, and we've anybody who's watched the Raptors the last few years know this is what the Raptors have done to other teams. Is they load up on superstars. They load up on stars, if anybody is, obviously. I know people don't like that word being thrown around, superstar. But So you load up on stars, you try and move the ball elsewhere on the court, and you make other guys beat you. Uh, the Bulls are a really great half-court defense. They're maybe an older team. They have a, a few guys who their effort kind of waxes and wanes, so their transition defense isn't so good. But you let them settle. They know what they want to make you do. And they, like, they affected the Raptors' shot chart. They affected the shots that the Raptors took. Their scheme achieved what their scheme wanted to. But the Raptors shot making in this game, what they hit the requisite amount. They made the right decisions. OG has a huge game working from a point of advantage, putting pressure going downhill, making some good reads as a passer, and especially that 5 of 7 from downtown. It's a pretty big deal. It's a fantastic OG game. And like I know you could look at Sure, OG spent some time on Zach Levine. Zach goes for 36. He also spent time on DeMar. And Zach, just like in this game, I think <laughs> he did a really good job, Zach, of attacking closeouts and really getting into the paint when the Raptors weren't settled back there and didn't have a rim protector. They got better at it as the game went on. But Zach, just in this game, really tough shot making. A lot of jumpers went down. And uh, as far as like... If this were the NBA's tracking data that everybody was really excited about after the first Bulls game, where OG held what DeMar to one of seven, he held Ant to one of 10, maybe like that kind of stuff. Maybe this won't be a game where that reflects really well, but I still think OG had like a tremendous game defensively. He, the same way that the Bulls kind of steered the Raptors into the shots that they wanted to, and the Raptors hit shots. OG is able to step out every single night and guard guys and guide them into the shot chart that the Raptors most want for them and to affect as far as like uh, to affect what the Raptors are trying to do defensively, help them shuttle him into the places where, OK, he's going to take a few less shots. He's going to or if he does take shots, he's taking like a harder amount and it's just shot making OG point of attack uh, Barnes Scotty point of attack. Late in the game, I think he pressed too high on Zach. But for the most part, I thought that Scotty had a lot of really good possessions above the break defensively. That's a huge, huge deal because Scotty has not had in his career so far a bunch of success above the break. He does get 
really aggressive. He does allow driving lanes. And the big step he's made as a defensive playmaker this year and as an impactful defender this year is that he's playing lower in the defense. And you see him kind of working instinctually, making those tags, making those rotations, and being a guy who can shift into a passing lane or shift into a driving lane to deter shots. He's done all that phenomenally. And I think he really walked that line really well tonight. There are a couple things that went wrong as far as blow-bys. But here's the thing. You'll find like every single game guys get blown by and it's just about like frequency and it's just about whether that's part of the scheme and you guys can protect for that. If you don't have help and you know you're trying to like maybe ice uh, a pick and roll or something like that, you have to be ready that the ball is going to be going downhill, right? Because you're trying to send them there into help. If you're just playing without ice and they're expecting lock and trail and you send a guy to reject a, a screen like straight downhill, then that's really, really bad. That's terrible. It's all in moderation. And I thought Scotty, both at the point of attack and in help side, had a really, really strong game. I've seen a couple comments. Um, one from a person who I can't read your username aloud because it's inappropriate. I get what you're doing there. But a few people have talked about OG being fantastic on defense, Scotty being fantastic on defense, um, perhaps a couple all defense level defenders. Um, if you guys are, I know a lot of people like EPM as their favorite. It's estimated plus minus is what the EPM stands for, but it's a, a catch-all statistic. It rates Scotty's defense incredibly high, and it's because it's derived from box score numbers. And you know, if you're Scotty Barnes and you can have an insane amount of obviously blocks and steals, that helps the box score numbers. But he's just been awesome on defense, man. I don't think he's been better than OG. But being better than OG means you're like one of the three best defenders in the world. And OG can sneak into that group, you know, if he's on a good run or a couple good months or whatever. So I think Scotty's kind of like approximated, you know, an all defensive level um, defender so far this season. I hope it keeps up. I hope it's something they can maintain keeping and going forward. Um, who do I give the chain to today? Uh, I'll focus on uh, Scotty. I think Scotty gets the chain. Uh, 13 points, six assists, 10 boards, two blocks, one steal. He went two of five from downtown. Um, maybe I would try and like get Scotty and OG to wear it at the same time or something. You know, I, <laughs> they, they were both so good. And Scotty, I, I noticed that I used to do this thing before I started doing the live podcast. I, I used to do this called the Reggie Evans award. I would react to a quick reaction comment at the end of the podcast and I'd give out the Reggie Evans award, which was, you know, Reggie Evans had a, a span of time where he was starting for the Raptors way back when, and he was averaging like two points per game and 14 rebounds. So just a, a grinder who's going out there. Right. And I think that the chain hasn't necessarily reflected based on the selections, the best player on a given night, but the guy who's kind of like mucking it up, getting grimy, doing the stuff like, Hey, this is what we needed tonight. And so I think Scotty Barnes, I would give the Reggie Evans award to tonight. But as far as like the chain, a guy who gives you like really swings the game, provides a whole bunch of stuff. OG at 26 points. I'm, I suspect either one of them will get it. Um, but then who knows? Like it, it could end up going to Gary since he had a good shooting game. And he had a couple possessions where he had good above the break defense and provided good uh, ball pressure. But, you know, Here's the guy I'm giving the chain to, Makai Bruce, Raptors writer. He's on with me. He's ready to talk about it. <laughs> he says, public saved my life. He yes, is God. a Bulls fan. He is a Raptors writer. 
and he is here to talk about uh, two uh, interests colliding. What do you think about that game, man? I mean, I thought to start the game, it was just like, man, Chicago really looks kind of done because they yeah, were man. just letting Toronto just like seal guys inside. They weren't really offering a lot of resistance and guys going to the paint. There just didn't seem to be a lot of like energy and life in Chicago. And I feel like Toronto was just their offense looked as great as it's ever looked this season. And saying this season is really, you know, an emphasis because this season has been great. So for them to look that way against you is like, man, what's going on? So just give us give us kind of the bird's eye view on Chicago. Um, you've probably watched more Chicago than I have at this point. You've watched more Chicago, I assume, than most of the people watching. Kind of cool us in on, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, like, the descending aspect of their season. Like, this looks like a team that's destined to be, let's say, salesmen for the rest of the year. Yes, yeah, so I, I believe they should be salesmen. I feel like they should have been salesmen. But really, the, the bird's eye view is that Zach Levine, he seems to, he's been in a lot of trade rumors, and he seems to be on his way out because there's so many, you know, moving parts. He he himself, um, at reports have said that he wants out, and the team has said that they're ready to move on. And once you lose a guy like Zach Levine, the, the writing is kind of on the wall, like, okay, let's get a guy like Vucevic out. Let's get a guy like DeMar out. So the rebuild is kind of, we're kind of knocking on the door of the rebuild, and it's, it's any day now, really. Okay, so I don't know if you're much of a, a body language guy. I'm not for the most part, but Zach was cracking smiles the whole game. Even when they were getting shellacked, he'd like hit a jumper. He'd be like, this is great, guys. We're just out here hooping. Uh, what what do you have like? Actually, let's let's go here. Obviously, there's some people who talk about Zach going to the Raptors. I made a joke uh, trade proposal, which I won't repeat. It was basically like not it was not a great trade proposal. The Raptors basically <laughs> giving up nothing. You told me to, to go to hell or there was some sort of, I can't remember. Uh, uh, the cliff some, thing. Yeah, exactly. Jump off a cliff, something like that. Yeah, Deservedly so. Um, what do you make of the the Levine to Raptor stuff? And we'll, we'll only go down on this for a little bit. We want to talk about mostly basketball as far as this goes. But what do you think about that? I mean, Zach, it depends, you know, it depends on the offer, I feel like. Talking as a Bulls fan, obviously you want a lot of picks, but I know that Toronto doesn't have a lot of picks to shell out like that. So, and when I say a lot, I don't mean like a Rudy Gobert five first round pick. I mean like one or two, but really I'm leaning towards two because you know Zach Levine is our best guy. But obviously, I'd want Precious in the deal. I know all about Precious. I know what he can do. Probably Gary in the deal as well. But I think Zach will help out Toronto a, a ton. But as far as making them like contenders. Perhaps, perhaps. I think, yeah. Uh, Nesta in the comment section says, Grady and Gary for Zach, question mark, question mark. You'd probably rather have Grady than Precious, or how do you feel about that? Man. Well, how Grady's been playing? No, let me stop. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that honestly, funny. Yeah, I, I would I would prefer Grady over Precious, but I, I really doubt that Toronto would just give, um, give up on Grady like that so soon. I guess, yeah, I guess it depends on... Uh, it depends on the draft capital, let's say. But anyway, uh, trade talk to the side, obviously. Um, the Bulls, I talked about it already, but doubling Pascal, uh, they were really sloppy doing so to start the game especially. And then I want to, what did you think about their defense at the level of the screen? Because I thought that was super sloppy to start the game too. Yeah, that's something that I was talking about. Like You can't have a super ultra-aggressive defense and then have everything sloppy on the back end because it's going to lead 
to insanely easy shots. And if you're going to, you know, press up on guys at the level of the screen, if you're going to, you know, blitz ball handlers, you have to have the necessary back-end defense to make sure that guys aren't just, you know, waltzing in for layups, and especially a team in Toronto that's pretty big. So if you're going to have, you know, a lot of pressure on the ball handler and then you're going to have smaller guys trying to tag, smaller guys trying to stop, you know, guys like Jakob, guys like, you know, OG getting downhill and getting to the paint, then, you know, you got to be better at that. Yeah, it was, um, I can't remember who said it. Let me scroll up. I think it was Carlo JS says that the Bulls, they locked down Pascal. And when people are asking, like, how is this team a good defense? I talked about how they're able to inform and change shot charts. They're able to, like, in this game, half of Siakam's attempts came from three. Almost half of Scotty's attempts came from three. They plugged the paint. Like, they were really sloppy early on, but they really found their legs defensively over the course of the game. And in a game where Jakob goes seven for eight, OG goes 10 for 14, Gary is four for nine from downtown, I think the Bulls can look at, especially as the game went on, their defensive process and say, we played the right way. The Raptors just hit shots. And I think that's good. Like, instead of saying, you know, the because the Bulls did find their way. They had a sloppy start. But... By the end of the game, and especially after that late dry stretch where the Raptors didn't score for four minutes, closing the game, you had OG hit two threes. You had Pascal hit a three. You had a couple straight line drives from Pascal. You had these guys, you had Dennis Schroeder like rejecting a screen, getting downhill. The Bulls defense did clamp up. Eventually they got to that point and the Raptors still found ways to score. So that was encouraging to see. I want to appeal to your you cover the Raptors, you write about them, you watch every game. What have you thought about the progression of the offense? Because another good offensive game tonight in a handful handful of offensive games. What do you thought about the escalating, ascending offensive process? Yeah, I've, I've looked. Cause they just had a great shootout with Indiana, if I'm pretty sure. And to go, you know, toe-to-toe with Indiana and then come in, come in against the, you know, semi-good defense of Chicago – I think the offensive process has been, you know, really, really good. I think they've been doing a semi-good job of getting Pascal the ball, getting him a lot of looks and letting him kind of create. Because Pascal draws a lot of doubles. He's one of the most double players. And Pascal is just really great at just making the right pass and just using his, you know, gravity to be able to get guys, you know, a lot of great looks. OG all season has been pretty great, you know, off the ball, shooting the three ball really well, just not – you know, not doing too much, but, you know, doing just enough to be a really good offensive player. And I just feel like Dennis, you know, our friend T really does not like Dennis, but I feel like Dennis has been pretty, you know, good moving the ball. He's been pretty good, you know, getting downhill, getting to the paint. So as far as the offensive process goes, I feel like they've just been doing the things have just been flowing pretty well in these past couple of games. I, I can only be impressed with Dennis because Dennis, I don't think is – you know, sometimes Dennis calls his own number, right? And he's like, this is a Dennis possession. I'm going to try and make it work. Sometimes that happens. But I think he is with Darko is saying like, hey, you're the guard who leads this team. You're going to move us through these actions. I want you to be on ball a ton. And he's taking that in stride. And I know some people want, and I, I certainly want, more of Dennis's possessions to go to Scotty, for example. Mm-hmm. Pascal, over the past, I think, nine games at this point, has been getting enough of the ball. I'm that's And maybe, like, even some games you can tell, like, the pace might slow down a little bit too much, and it'll go to him. But even with that said, I mean, 
he's been providing like really fantastic offense. So mm-hmm. don't want to cool too much, but I would, I think Dennis has done a good job. I'd like to see some of those possessions go to Scotty with all that said, but it's tough to complain about Dennis because I think Dennis's point of attack defense has been good. I think like his one pass away defense has been good. I think that he's mostly doing a good job moving the Raptors through offense. I think that he lacks punch as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, he doesn't really have the pull up three to manipulate with teams. They don't really fear him going downhill one on one versus the big. Um, the rejecting the screen and scoring late is a big indicator of that, right? Like the biggest stepping up on the opposite side. He's trying to beat everybody to the glass. And he's done really well to shoot the ball. And like he's done a fantastic job shooting the ball, like close to 40% from three, almost mm-hmm. 50% on the mid range. But teams, they they're not giving him that respect as a shooter, really. You see him pulling up. Guys are stopping short. He's not getting hard closeouts. They don't want to give him anything. So there's a push and pull of Dennis's role on this team. But no matter what, I still can't really be upset with Dennis because I don't think anybody on this team is behaving selfishly. I don't think anybody on this team is stonewalling anybody else. I think they're mostly trying to operate within the vacuum of the coach's roles given to them. And I think Dennis despite limitations, has done a really good job in yeah. this role as a guy who's, like, taking up a bunch of possessions as a mid-level exception guard. These guys usually don't, like, motivate wins in offense that much, to be honest with you. Um, but as far as, like, the Raptors' defense, we can switch over to. Levine goes off like crazy. Mm. DeRozan has a tough game. He shot, like, 56% from the line, which was odd. He was 7-16 to 16 from the field. Um, Vooch mostly bottled up in this game as well. Obviously, Kobe hit a few early threes to kind of kick this off. But what do you think about the Raptors and what they made uh, the Bulls go to offensively? Yeah, well, when a guy like Zach Levine is hot, sometimes there's just not a lot you can do when a guy's hitting multiple, you know, threes off the dribble like that. When a guy is just beating guys off the dribble like that, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot you can do when a guy like Zach Levine going off. But I thought. This is a pretty strong game defensively from Jakob. Well, at least stronger than it's been, you know, earlier in the season. Because I feel like Chicago doesn't really have their shooting like that to, you know, really draw guys out. I feel like Jakob was in position a lot a lot of the time, pretty good position. And I feel like Precious was in good position, you know, protecting the rim a lot. Scotty Barnes this season just been really great. And that continued this game. So defensively, I think they really did a great job protecting the rim. Guys were getting to the rim, but we're getting kind of stonewalled, turned away. I think they did a pretty good job there. But Zach Levine, you can't do nothing with that. Yeah, let's stay on Precious because you named him as you're interested in Precious if there's a trade going out the other side. I think Precious had a pretty good game. There's some assists. There's like live dribble assists that he made. Mm -hmm. There's like a couple post-hub assists that he had. Um, His defensive coverage, I think, was good. What do you think of his performance tonight? Yeah, Precious, the, the pass has really caught my eye tonight because usually Precious is just kind of looking out for himself and trying to, you know, get the ball, get downhill, you know, do a lot. But he had a great pass to Scotty in the second half, I think. And he had a – I think it was like a kind of like a semi-no look. I think Scotty was cutting, like, through the middle. And so he was just doing a lot of great stuff, you know, as far as assisting the ball goes. And in the pick and roll, he did some great stuff, screen, just simple big man stuff. Screen just dive down. Did you know? I think he did pretty well tonight with that. He did have that really nice roll on the left side of the court, right down the middle, mm-hmm. contested dunk, finished through. Um, Jakob Pertle, I thought, 
this hasn't been the best start to a season for Jakob, I think especially defensively. But I came away from this game more impressed with him defensively versus I think he only played 18 or 19 minutes in the Raptors' first matchup against the Bulls. Um, when things were going crazy towards the end of that game, the Raptors did move away from Jakob pretty early because he wasn't getting the best of like coverage against Vooch. He wasn't getting the best in a lot of the screen and roll stuff defensively. And the Raptors were having a tough time trying to utilize him on offense. And the way he kind of slithered through as a big man, the bulls in the paint in this game, I thought this was really, really impressive from him. I think like there's, there's some passing stuff. Some of the ATOs, like they hit another Iverson loop dunk, like Scotty got it off the lob. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptors also, they've been hitting more ATOs with Jakob as kind of like the trigger man. Some of the split action stuff has been working better. And I think that some of that has to do with Scotty very quickly earning a little bit more notoriety as a shooter. Teams are starting to respond to him a little more, which is nice. And I think the cutting off ball. Uh, is a little bit more intentional in some of those like rote actions that the Raptors have been running. All that stuff leans harder into Jakob's game, but we saw one of the first times this season that that step through, that sweeping step through, gather and finish that he does in the pick and roll. We saw it like three times a game minimum last season because he and Fred had that nice pacing down where you'd catch, the help is coming, there's a tag. How do you get to the rim without like having the ball stolen? Don't put the ball down first get sideways on the pick and roll, step and pivot through, sweep through, then put the ball down with a pound dribble. Then you get another step. You just transport yourself to the rim. Uh, Great feet tonight and finished in like a contested paint. He shot seven of eight from the field. I was really impressed with his performance. I thought like after he had a tough start to the season, I, my initial reaction to his game tonight where he plays 30 minutes, he's a plus 15. The starters finally won some minutes. It's like, Hell yeah, Yak. Very, very nice for him. Uh, Nesta points out, like, Yak needs to throw that oop pass on the ATO a bit higher. Our wings can jump higher than the rim if need be. Yeah, I think it depends on um, it depends on how much clearance they get. Scotty came way clear on that, so you can throw the lob. Uh, they ran, like, this similar type of play, not out of the top, not Iverson loop. I wrote a piece about it, but they have this elbow alignment play, lob play from... Yak to either OG or Yak to Chris Boucher, they like to run with a flex screen. And he was pretty good, good at throwing lobs with a live dribble or a dead one out of that. So I think this is something he can do, but it's also on the receiver of the pass to like, you got to meet that eye. You got to see a guy and you guys got to know you're throwing that lob. Like you can't just like throw lobs or anything like that. Um, Caleb says, goodness, just saw tomorrow was a minus 31. Let's focus on that. Demar's performance, Demar's future as a bull. I gotta. I, we enjoyed Demar's start with the Bulls, certainly, of course. But how do you feel about his place on the team right now, and maybe the short term future? In the short term, I feel like really kind of the same way I feel about Zach. You know, it's time to like don't forget they're individually they're pretty great players, and I feel like they're gonna be able to help out other teams. But together and just where the Bulls are now. I just don't see it working out. And in DeMarc's case, he's kind of getting on the older side. And I think if Chicago were to extend him, that'd probably be a mistake. And I think the time to to move him would be at the deadline, to move him this year. So in the short term, I think we're probably better off just moving him on, let him go to a contender. Whether I don't, 
I don't know, you know, I haven't heard a lot about uh, DeMar trade destinations, but I'm sure there's all kinds of teams that could use a pretty great, you know, scoring guy, pretty great, you know, pretty solid passing option, playmaking option out of that position. So I think, you know, it's probably time to move on from DeMar as well, as you know, as well as Zach Levine. I wonder, do you think DeMar is on the eve, like finally, of the sixth man role that people have been saying he's supposed to be in for like six years now? Because once he went to the Spurs after his first year on the Spurs, people started talking about him like, hmm, I wonder if he's like an ideal sixth role guy or six man guy. And then once he came to the Bulls, people were like, I can't believe the Bulls signed DeMar. Like, I'm sure you remember the reaction to it. It wasn't really positive. Yeah, and they said he's more of an, a sixth man role. And then he was like giving you like 27 and seven was an all-star starter. I believe his first year with the Bulls yeah. is still able to drive offense really well. Do you think he's on the eve of that step? Or do you think he's like, basically what I'm asking, do you think it's more likely that DeMar tries to succeed as a spark plug scorer on contenders? Or do you think he's more like one of those guys who ends up on, this, you know, this era's version of the Charlotte Bobcats still scoring like 21, 22 points per game for a couple of years. I can't, I can't see DeMar at this stage coming off the bench. I really, I, I can't just, I can't picture that in my mind. I don't think he would accept that. I don't, I, yeah. I really don't think that somebody would, you know, want that for him if they were to trade for him. He's still pretty, you know, great at offense. It's just the other stuff that's, you know, kind of rough. But that's because in this ecosystem in Chicago, things are going to look bad when, you know, you're not on such a great team. So six man, Demar, I don't, I don't see it. At least not this year. I'm in, I'm in the same spot. I think he's still. You just have to find the team that can cover up and paper over, insulate his defensive weaknesses. Yes. And you know that, like, it's the same thing with the Pascal rumors, right? Like, if Pascal is going to a team, you obviously want a team where Pascal. It makes more sense for him to join a team with a bunch of shooting. Like that, that you just want to get the most out of the players you're trading for. You don't want to trade for a guy and have him not be like a great fit. And so the conditions of the team that you're joining uh, is very interesting. Uh, Nesta says back to the Spurs, maybe that is really interesting. I wonder if they, I wonder what the Spurs do with, I think they have a max slot coming up this season. I wonder what the Spurs do maybe in the trade market, trying to get a guy who really helps bring Wemby along and a guy who can run a ton of like actually potent two-man actions with Wemby because I know Vassell has been pretty good in the pick and roll in fits and starts this season but I do wonder what that kind of looks like going forward um we got some Grady minutes let's focus on that he's a got a high free throw rate I think it's over uh 20 percent now which is kind of funny uh we also got Chris Boucher 10 minutes we got Malachi Flynn 14 minutes but this game was mostly like Pascal plays 37 minutes, OG 34, Shooter 34, Scotty 32. Like this game is mostly won by the starters. What do you think of the rotation as the bench plus starter stuff has kind of started to change and mold over the past few games? Yeah, that's something that I really got to give Darko a lot of credit for. I feel like earlier in the season he was trying to kind of force guys to play on the bench to really go away from the the last year playing the starters a whole bunch kind of philosophy thing. But I feel like in doing that, he was kind of making it, you know, a lot harder on a lot of the guys that were playing. So I feel like with him, you know, going away from a guy like Jalen McDaniels, who just has not played well this season and just not, you know, forcing the younger guys to be out there for extended time. I feel like that leads to nights like tonight where the offense kind of, you know, is rolling a little bit more. Things look a lot, you know, better on both ends. So 
I think that that's something that Darko has done pretty well. And as far as rotation minutes go, you know, it's a long season. It's going to be plenty of time for, you know, Grady to, you know, get his stroke going. And I just feel like that's something that Darko has done pretty well lately, you know, regarding the minutes. I've I've liked the decisions he's made. This was something I can actually pull it up because I was looking at. Now, this stuff will be changed a little bit, but I did a thread on some of the Raptors lineup data. And it's kind of like instructive and interesting. So a big thing is that OG plus Scotty without Pascal this season. Now, this doesn't include this game where I think they had a healthy stretch that they won 10-8. They won it by two points. Anytime you win minutes in a mostly bench lineup, huge deal. Um, but OG and Scotty without Pascal plus 4.2 points per 100 possessions. The defense has been really good. And it's really fantastic that they can win minutes with Pascal off the floor. And then Pascal without OG and Scotty plus one points per 100 possessions. Siakam really shouldering a lot of the offensive load. They're, those lineups are above average on NBA offense and above average on NBA defense. And so you have two things that align really well. You can win minutes when Pascal's sitting. You can win minutes when Scotty and OG are sitting. Those are your three best players by like a, a massive amount. And so if you can split it up and make it work that way, that's a huge deal. There's like smaller stuff. There's like Scotty plus Yak is a big negative. Pascal plus Yak is a marginal positive. It's there's interesting stuff to be derived from, you know, 15 games of, you know, lineup data. Mm-hmm. But there's there's interesting stuff. The big thing that everybody's been waiting on is kind of what happened tonight is that you want the starters to win their minutes. And the starters won their minutes really healthily tonight. So that's something uh something I I really like to be quite honest. Uh somebody asked, did we talk about Precious? Yes, we did. Um, basically the sum up is that we thought Precious had a really good game. Uh, yeah. Makai said he did a lot of the classical big man stuff. And uh, from Forgetful says, another great game by FVV and Rockets tonight. Kept De- Denver under 90 points. I'm really happy that uh, I I hate when players are bad. I hate, I hate when players are bad. I love when players are good. Fred having like a great season with the Rockets, awesome. Shooter doing a really good job of stepping into what the Raptors need. Awesome. Scotty in somewhat of a vacuum, making a huge jump of like 20 more touches a game and being fantastic in it. Awesome. Like players playing well is so good for the game. And the Rockets being like a fun, good team is awesome. Like I want to see Jalen Green play in good lineups. I want to see Alperen Shangun play in like a playoff series. I want to see it. I want to see these guys like put to the test. Um, I, I love that Fred's having like a good balancing uh, impact on the Rockets. And it, like I loved when DeMar was doing great on the Spurs. I love if a guy leaves the Raptors, it's not like, hell yeah, we got rid of him. It's like, I hope he does really well. And whoever comes on to the Raptors, I hope it does well. Speaking of, somebody asked if Jalen McDaniels will get another crack at the rotation. I've been talking for a little bit, so I'll let you take the lead on that, Makai. Thoughts on Jalen? I think it's only been like, what, 15 games? I think it's too early in the season for it to be like he'll never play another minute for the Raptors again. I just think that offensively he struggled so much. It was really hard to find like lineup combinations where he wasn't, you know, a negative. And, you know, defensively he's so he's shown, you know, some flashes, shown that he can, you know, rotate pretty well, shown that he's has, you know, some solid length. But it's just the offense. The offense has just been really, really rough. But I do think that he'll get another shot. But I think Darko just has to do 
not a better job, but just try out some different lineup configurations to, you know, make sure that Jalen McDaniels is not like a massive negative on the court. Yeah, and I think also part of it is like expectations, right? I think people looked at in in small segments or portions, Jalen McDaniels had good stretches of shooting the three-point. Like he he in the past he has, but on the whole, he's been inconsistent and below average, and he hasn't shot the ball well since arriving. The Raptors, like Jalen is a biannual exception signing. He's not meant to radically change. Like the fact that Bismack Biombo gave the Raptors iconic series and defensive plays as a biannual exception signing is not the rule. That's the exception. Mm-hmm. Jalen is a flyer that the Raptors like. If he shoots it well, maybe he'll be a little bit more slinky at the point of attack defensively. Maybe he'll cut well. And as we're kind of running this continuous screening actions, maybe if he's shooting the ball well, some of that split action stuff will work with him. It hasn't clicked yet. It's a long season, as you mentioned, Kai. Like he'll have a shot, and he'll have a like a decent, probably like a five game stretch where they say, "Okay, here's another chance to try and assert yourself into the rotation." Um, Otto Porter Jr. ND asked about him. I don't know. Otto has been such a not like he's not mercurial in that he's a mercurial guy, but the situation around him, his playing time, all that kind of stuff, has been mercurial. It's been hard to kind of pin down. And even as someone who goes to practice in the games and that kind of stuff, it's tough to get a sense of how involved he's going to be with the team, like as far as minutes played by the end of the season. Like, is he ramping up? Is he an integral part of the rotation? That just hasn't been the case. And Giovanni, quit asking about Josh Giddy, man. We're not going to talk about him. What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Somebody else asked what the numbers Matthew Rosales asks is OG Pascal Scotty without yak a positive on the season oh buddy I have a stat for you so coming into this game this is a big one Pascal OG and Scotty with Jakob off the floor plus 27.7 points per 100 possessions that's insanity uh their defense is insane it has been a lot of these minutes are played in the fourth quarter where everyone's like ratcheted up. That's meaningful, but it also goes the other way. A lot of these minutes have been played in the fourth quarter where the other team is supposed to be ratcheting up and they're scoring the ball really well. Uh, They score super well. They defend like hell and other teams foul the hell out of the Raptors in that lineup because Barnes and Siakam are working in space against bigs a lot of the time. Or if the other team goes smaller to play with the Raptors, there's going to be a mismatch that Barnes or Siakam are going to like use and abuse. It's been insane. Uh, another thing is like I know last season there was a lot of people who would quite frequently check the Raptors' clutch statistics on NBA Advanced Stats. After tonight, I think go check them and you'll see like really positive numbers for everybody for the most part. Like I know OGs are really positive right now. Pascal's are really positive right now. Scotty's are positive right now. Like all the guys who are meant to be hitting shots in the clutch uh, have been. The only bad clutch game for the most part for the Raptors was the one against the Bulls where they blew the craziest game ever, man. It's uh, It's been nuts. Here's a question we can answer, Makai. From ND, what are your thoughts on Scotty bench stints for Scotty process? Feels like he's too passive and doesn't control the offense enough with the ball. I'll let you take the lead on that one, man. Is he referencing like Scotty running with the bench lineups? Yeah, yeah, Scotty plus bench. Oh, Scotty plus, yeah. Um, I feel like Scotty plus bench is a big example of Darko trying to 
kind of mold a player into doing something that he wants him to be better at in the future. And if Scotty, well, not if Scotty Barnes is the franchise player, he's the player that moving forward you're gonna to want to build around. So you're really trying to, you know, get him comfortable running lineups where he doesn't always have, you know, a bunch of star power next to him. And I feel like those lineups, sometimes they're rough, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes Darko throws out really bad people next to not not bad people. Really <laughs> yeah, yeah. bad yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next to Scotty in those lineups and you know, sometimes it's tough. But as far as Scotty being passive, I feel like a lot of times fans they watch the game and they they don't realize that it's not a guy being passive, it's that there's no shooting on the court. There's like 80 guys in the gaps waiting for him to drive to the paint. So he has no choice other than to pass it. And I feel like that's the case a lot with Pascal. And I feel like that's the case a lot with Scotty. So as far as the Scotty bench lineups go, I feel like, you know, the bench is not great. Scotty does do a great job of, you know, at least getting guys good looks. He does a great job, you know, applying a lot of pressure and transition. And that's in all lineups, but especially in the bench lineups, I'd say Scotty's done a pretty good job. I think. So here's the thing. Pascal is shooting at this point like 21% from three or something on the season. It's been really tough. Maybe it's 22%. Mm. He, at his position, is shooting so bad that even for like playing a front court position, he's underperforming from three. He's still Pascal as far as like a big wing with a live dribble. One of the four or five best guys like that as far as making it work against packed paints Mm. and i think people are used to seeing pascal work in that specific way and wondering why scotty doesn't emulate that and so scotty already is a better (laughs) three-point shooter than pascal he's made an insane jump scotty is one of the best transition players in the league scotty's a better rebounder scotty is a better passer um they're similar levels of playmaking right now because of pascal just sinks the defense draws so much attention but they have different strengths and Scotty ch- just can't go and like, you know, bob and weave in and out of the paint, drag guys, get to like a midi, do all that kind of stuff. He's still so young. Some of it is passiveness. Some of it is as players add to their game. They're kind of like you're taking in data, info on how teams defend you and like what's the proper response. You have to assert your own hierarchy of decision making. We see it with like all young stars. It's You see the media coverage is like, why is this guy doing this? Why is it meaningful he's doing this? Oh, he's taking too many mid-range jump shots. But then when he hits those in the playoffs as a, like a release valve, everyone's like, oh, this is actually a great feature of his game. Scotty is, the cool thing is, he's winning a ton of minutes. He's been the Raptors' best player so far this season. And he's still in like data collection era of his game. He's just adding stuff to his game, seeing how teams respond, and then you know, applying and applicating what he can. I think Scotty plus four other bench players is not even really helpful. It's hardly been basketball. <laughs> I think Scotty, like, I think Scotty plus OG works. You Scotty OG plus bench, I think it works. I think that's better than just going Scotty plus four guys because it's tough. The Raptors don't have enough shooting, and Scotty doesn't even really get to run plays where he's working with advantage and getting to make progressive reads because teams are just packing the paint, kind of sitting back in it, and you're just kind of playing around the perimeter. So I don't really like that. And I think Darko correctly has moved away from that. We've seen that change um, rapidly, especially since OG came back in. Um, Andy says, I'll say in the fourth, I like how involved he was. And even though it didn't lead to points for himself, it gave advantages to Precious to score. 
Uh, Scotty, man, as far as like being involved, he has been the undecided or I guess what's the unrequited unsomething. There's a, a term or a word for this unchallenged. He has been the best at just being the guy who gives a shit when he walks out there and plays his motor level is insane. His effort level has been insane and it's contributed to a lot of his success. And that's even in last game against Indiana, the three baskets that Scotty scored, they're all working in the periphery down in the fourth quarter, right? Like he is trying to get a post up. Gary pulls the three Scotty hunts down the rebound and gets a put back. Hell yeah. Nobody even had to give you the ball. You just went and found it. They run an ATO where they have Jakob in the mid post and Siakam's coming off of a screen, a back screen that Scotty's setting. Scotty uses that to seal his own guy, flash into space in the paint, get a layup. Okay, this is off ball stuff, easy points. And then on the like the game winning play, technically, right? Mm-hmm. Gets us to 131. He turns the corner on the keeper play because Indiana message just messes up the coverage against Pascal. So all this stuff is not like, oh, he's featured. It's just like, this is a guy who's eating when the game presents itself. And that is a really cool aspect that ND brings up that this is something that Scotty can always do. Um, Nesta talks about his give a shit level in the fourth was awesome. That poke on that, that one play on the perimeter, I'm sure you remembered. Bryce Diamond also asks, where can we find Makai's writing and analysis? You can find it on YouTube. He does YouTube videos breaking stuff down. And you can also find his work on Raptors Republic. He does a bunch of stuff at both. And he's fantastic. He's the best. Um, Go subscribe to, it's still Playoff Makai, right? Yes, So type in Playoff Makai on YouTube. Go subscribe over there for your NBA-wide stuff. And then just go to RaptorsRepublic.com for all your Makai stuff. I think that's probably a good place to leave the podcast if anybody has questions feel free to ask we might answer a couple makai uh any final thoughts on this game before we get out of here yeah man please chicago just just blow it up it's time it's been time and i think you know zach levine went crazy tonight but it just still wasn't enough and things were starting you know progressively towards the end things were starting to look better and then toronto just snatched it back so i really think it's time to just cut your losses, and just move on. It's, I wanted the Bulls. You and I talked about that team a lot that year mm-hmm. when they were first in the East for a while. They they were the, the leading team out of the, you know, out of the blocks, the starting blocks. It fell apart in a big way. We have an unnamed fr- friend who was preying on a downfall, and unfortunately he ended up being correct. Um, I wanted them to be really good. I like when teams are rewarded for making bets and trying to avoid tanking and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I am really, really impressed with what they tried to do, but it's time to undo that. It's time <laughs> to move on from these guys. It is. And it is. I, who, who are you building around then? Just like, what, what's the plan? There's no Scotty Barnes there. Yeah, nah. We got a Florida State forward, but he's not him. <laughs> But we're not, we can't build around nobody. It's really just get as many picks as we can, just draft somebody else. Because I would say it's Patrick Williams, but at this point, when he's not the kind of guy you build around. But I guess I yeah, would like to see him. That. I would like to see him, like, you know, with more attempts, I guess, like more, like, freedom. Sure. Like, with all the stars going, I would like to see him, like, a more ramped up role to really see if, like, if, if him not playing well is a result of, like, not enough looks, not a lot. Not a lot of stuff for him to get. 
or he's really just not that good. I really like to see that. But as far as build around him, nah, we can't. Like he he could be part of it certainly. It's of course he could be part of it. Yeah. Uh, and he's a guy who is still so young and deserves attempts, deserves possessions to try it out, especially on a Bulls team that if they go through with this and make moves to move some of the stars off the roster, like there's going to be possessions. Mm-hmm. Some of that might be affected by incoming talent, but uh, Pat is, uh, yeah, he deserves some possessions to figure out. Nesta says Bulls need a blue chipper more than any team in the league. I suspect that's correct, actually. Um, HY says Makai looks like J-Dub. I didn't pay him to say that, but I'm glad he did, man. This guy's (laughs) paying guys in the chat to, oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, Van Hoot2234 says, Samson, would you like Vooch here? Nah, man. That's just... (laughs) Like, I... Vooch... I like Vooch. Vooch is a good big, I think. But I... I saw the last trade that was made for Vooch, and it did not go well. Yeah, and no. I don't want to be the next team who does that. Um, it's it's a tough thing to like get a center. You either want typically a cheap center that is overperforming because you can get that from the center position a decent amount of time, and or you want like the Jokic or Embiid, just unbelievable centers. It's tough to be caught in the middle on the center position. Yeah, it's tough to be paying like. Over fifteen, and I everyone's gonna say like this sounds like Jakob Pertl. I don't like. I don't want to go too hard on it, but it's tough to be caught in the middle on the center position, especially with the Raptors. Um, as far as like skill sets, Vooch does shoot it better, of course, than Jakob. Vooch is actually one of those stretch bigs who can help carry a game with his shooting. He can go like five or seven from downtown on a given game. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't go look at his game logs on basketball reference and be like, he hasn't done that in three years or something, <laughs> but I think he can do something like that. His shot. Yeah. His shot is respected. We've seen the Raptors have seen him help take over games with that. He can do some volume scoring from the big man position, but I think he is uh, a really in the same way that like you don't like having Pascal and Scotty kind of step on each other's toes at times. I think that Vooch, if if Pascal has been, you know, go to RaptorsRepublic.com and read Lewis Asman's piece from today. Pascal has been one of the best post-up players in the whole league to this point. Um, having Vooch go down there and try and take some of those possessions is just like, it's too much, man. I, I wouldn't make that deal. Um, Nesta says... Any idea why the Raptors aren't ruling Coloco out for the season? The lack of news makes me worry he is out all season. Why not just rule him out? I suspect they don't rule him out because they're hoping that he makes returns sometime this season. Although uh, the, I, as a media member, have not gotten anything. And I don't think they'll say anything until there's an update. And otherwise, this is like a unique uh, medical situation he's going through. Respiratory issues. So... It's been tough for him. I, I hope Coloco gets healthy. Makai, before we get out here, uh, ND wants your thoughts on AO, Desumu, and Dalen Terry. Dalen Terry, I really don't have much to say. He just he goes back and forth between G League and NBA. He, there's just not a lot there. IO, he just great rookie season. You know, he was showed a lot of great stuff on defense. He was known for his scoring from college. But, you know, I feel like as the years have gone by, Kobe White has taken the role. Like, he's taken the role back from Ayo because at first yep. 
it was Io taking Kobe's role as kind of like the, you know, second unit guard that would come in, provide a little spark. But I feel like, you know, this year and last year, Io kind of fell off in that regard, and Kobe has emerged as the really, you know, guy who's going to try hard a lot on defense, but also give you that good, you know, scoring punch. So Io, I think it's just a case of you just got a spot taken, quite honestly. I see a lot of parallels between Iman Shumpert's start with the Knicks and Io's start with the Bulls, where Iman kind of started off succeeding at a lot of the things that Io does, and he had to kind of reinvent himself for the second stint of his career off of his rookie contract. And Io's definitely good enough that he'll stick past that. Mm-hmm. But I, I suspect like he has to make small changes in his game. Uh, the last thing I'll answer is from Minha's Ramon. Uh, Minhas Rahman or Rahman sorry if I'm butchering that the only thing that is bothering me with this team's decision making is how they handle the 905 send Grady down and let him get his sea legs under him Darko said today that the Raptors were looking into getting uh, Grady some 905 minutes so hopefully that helps how you feel about that situation Makai thank you so much for you know hopping on giving us the Bulls perspective and the Raptors one if I can give a hearty shout out I've done it for Makai many times but um, he, he, I'm, he maybe he won't like me saying this, but this little mentor mentee, this guy, I brought him under my wing. I said, this is a great writer. Bring him on to Raptors Republic. Save my life. Written, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he writes a ton of great stuff on RaptorsRepublic.com. Um, a lot of the stuff that like, whether it's like recaps, pregames, quick reactions. Um, I think we're still waiting on his first big feature of the season. Um, coming, I'm excited coming. for that. Uh, I won't I won't ask you for the, the topic. And so just stay stay tuned over at RaptorsRepub.com for his written work and then play off Makai on YouTube. Go subscribe over there for your NBA wide stuff, because I certainly don't do NBA wide stuff. So you need to get it somewhere. Go get it from Makai. Matthew. Great show. Thanks, man. Nesta. Great show. Thanks, man. Thanks to everybody in the chat for hopping on. Yes, sir. Being kind, insightful, engaging. It makes it way better. Uh, you guys are the best. All the people listening on the podcast feed. Thank you for tuning in, whether it was late at night or on the morning walk or whatever it is, the commute. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Peace.